0: All right, Vocal Fam, here we are. We are super duper excited. We are continuing our Now You're a Voice Teacher series with part two, uh, talking about voice teaching within the academy. We're going to talk about perspectives of graduate assistants, dealing with other colleagues on a voice faculty, entering actually as a professor. And I've got two great colleagues here Lorraine Sims, John Nix. Between the three of us, I won't say how many years of experience in higher ed we have. Um, I'll say that I have 16 years of experience in higher ed, and they have more than I do. Um, So, uh, (laughs) um, uh, But Sarah and I are excited to continue on with this series. Thank you, everybody, who listened to the first part with Kari and Shannon a few weeks ago. And uh, here we go. Let, 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 Let me roll a theme song and we'll go.
1: you're listening to the vocal fry podcast your weekly dash of voice science pedagogy and pop culture coming to you from waste disposal center three on the original death star
0: I hadn't used all Star right. Wars in a while, Sarah.
2: I know. I was sitting here. I was like, I was actually thinking, I was like, what is it going to be? And then I heard Wastus, but I was like, I, oh, all, right, all
0: right, I want to say it had been since maybe since the Christmas episode, since I had used Star Wars, so I figured Probably. it was time. It, it is. We're it, fine. I,
3: we're, we're all fine here. How are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Lorraine, introduce yourself. Remind everybody who you are. Um, both of these wonderful guests have been on the podcast before, so we're excited to have them
1: back. Okay, well, I'm Lorraine Sims. I use she/her pronouns. I am on the voice faculty at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I have a very fancy title called the Edith Kilgore Kirkpatrick Professor of Voice, where Goodness I teach voice,
3: <laughs> voice and vocal pedagogy.
0: And John,
3: uh, I'm John Nix. I'm at uh, the University of Texas at San Antonio Music Department, and I am not so endowed as <laughs> Lorraine is. <laughs> uh first let me
0: say if you'd like to hear more specifically about Lorraine or John you can go back to their previous vocal fry episodes John's was in the summer of 2018 we recorded that at Nats National in Vegas and Lorraine's was about a year ago actually I think Um, uh, something in that in that vicinity so about a year in our back about about a year back in the catalog Uh, so here we are today and and thank you both for coming on like I said before we started recording We've been doing this series, and when i when we started the series, we thought, you know, gosh, in this pandemic year, a whole bunch of people have started teaching voice, yep. right like we've seen colleagues around the world, whether it's that they're launching into an independent studio, they're creating an online studio they're
2: going back to school
0: and that leads us to today's episode um which which really is geared toward. Now you're a voice teacher, and I'm going to enter the academy. Um, a lot of people will probably be going back. I mean, based on based on what we saw in the 2008 financial crisis, we saw a whole bunch of people go to grad school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will be quite the same effect as 2008. I, I don't want to speculate to that point. But it may not be. But... I do think we'll have still plenty of people who want to get graduate degrees in voice and voice teaching. Um and whether that's as a vocal performance major or as a you know ped major or as a you know a, a music ed major who maybe has to teach some voice lessons depending on you know what kind of department you're in. Um, there's all sorts. And between the three of us, we've been mentoring graduate students for a bit now, um, is, a, is a fair way to say it. And uh, let, so we're gonna start with the graduate assistant perspective. I mean, so w- right off the bat, what are some, um, if you had to think of like something you'd love to be able to say to some of your former graduate assistants like when they first came in, what are some things you wish you could like tell them just about, about teaching within the academy? Anybody?
1: Please. Either. So I would say um, one thing I would tell them is start teaching the minute they get here, even if they have to give lessons away for free, because you get better by doing as we all have figured out. So if you're not assigned enough students to teach, get some students and work with them.
0: That's a you know, that's a great piece. We actually talked about that in the in the first episode a little bit from the perspective Mm -hmm. of. I always say that voice teachers need to get their sea legs. Right, Sarah? Yeah. You know, we've yeah. talked about this before. It's like you can have all the brain knowledge you want. It's another thing to actually be involved in the activity. And, you know, Lorraine, you bring up a good point. Not everybody gets a graduate assistantship where they get assigned teaching.
3: That's true. And and what you could do um, is a situation like uh, you go talk to uh, maybe it's one of your fellow grad Assistants, you know, maybe it's somebody who's a grad assistant um, who's teaching class voice, or a faculty member who's teaching. Um, we have a class that's uh, vocal techniques for the instrumental major, and mm. say, hey, look, um, I need teaching experience, um, and I what I have done in our program is is I get our students in my pedagogy classes who need students to teach. I I. I collaborate with Chris Besch, who's my colleague here um and you know he's steering the students in his class that are in the vocal techniques class for the instrumental major, you know so they're they may be guitar majors they may be you know principals they may be brass wind string whatever, and you know get them into some lessons with um somebody who need who's in teacher training anyway um and another good avenue is. Some schools have some kind of a continuing ed program. Yeah, community or, music, yeah. Yeah, community yeah. music, or, or um, you know, they'll call it their academy or whatever, where they have lessons for, you know, high schoolers or something like that. Um, and here in San Antonio, we have some of these high schools that have two, three, four thousand students. Yes. You know, and they have really big, you know, uh, choral programs. And it's like, well, you know, go put in an application. I've, gotten the notice that you know this school district is looking for voice teachers in the high schools and they can get lots of experience that way yep.
0: absolutely do you have the same thing down in louisiana lorraine
3: we don't have that so much here so
1: it would be really rare for a school to invite someone in to teach voice lessons um, but there are lots of lots of people who would volunteer to be one of those you know young guinea pigs for a, a teacher so i think yeah, it would abs- not be hard
0: Absolutely. You know, one of the things I will say to echo John's point, one of the advantages I had with going to doing one of my graduate degrees in Texas is I was teaching, I don't know, 35 lessons a week, something like that during my master's. I mean, wow. you know, I I already had my sea legs by the time I was out of my master's because I did my master's in Texas. Um, you know, he said two, three thousand students. I'm thinking, was that the size of the choir, or was that actually <laughs> the population of the high school?
3: <laughs> well, no, yeah, um, yeah, and you've got these <laughs> high schools that that literally, you know, they've got their varsity, they have their men's choir, they have their treble choir, they have, um, you know, their 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 junior choir, they have the acapella group. You know, they might have seven or so choirs, and and you know you're in the school there and they have a uh, a teaching studio off of the choir room and you know they're sending you students every 30 minutes they're psych- you know they like they get out of choir for that half an hour and they go in and they have their lesson and the the teachers are paid by you know there may be a uh a uh, a parents booster group you know mm-hmm. or something like that or sometimes it's just the students pay directly um So, yeah, there are great opportunities like that. And if you're in a situation where you're in a major city, there may be a studio or something.
1: Yeah. I actually have have one. Yeah, we do have that in a lot of those in Louisiana. All kinds of like these private music academies where you kids can get jobs and teach lots, however many people you can teach. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. There's a
2: lot of that in Atlanta. Honestly, I mean, oh, that that makes sense, yeah. Not during, not so much during the day. Uh, I think that that seems to be a phenomenon I've seen mostly in Texas, but lots of like private studios. A lot of the private schools in the area have like arts programs after school with lessons, and yeah, similar things. College students, grad students could easily go teach there.
3: My wife even found a demographic um, working with the homeschool community Ah. because these are kids that have flexible schedules and, and she uh, was working at a studio and uh, you know, the facilities were basically not being used up until about three o'clock in the afternoon because people, you know, they were either after schoolers or, you know, they were adults that would be in the evening. And so, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, Kathy could do a, um, you know, a voice class for homeschool kids, you know, and would meet three days a week or two days a week, you know, and she would you know, three different voice classes and then, you know, students coming out of those classes would then build into her studio. So, yeah, there's a real, you could just sit there and kind of brainstorm, okay, well, what is my community like? Um, where is a, a need that's not being met? and And find it and fill it.
0: You know, a thought occurs to me, though, because I could see someone in our community saying with this sort of just just to juxtapose the idea. Well, but if they're a new grad student and they're a master's student, and they're right out of an undergrad, they really shouldn't be teaching voice. They don't really know their own technique yet or something like how would how would either of you maybe respond to that? Beyond the idea that you really only learn to teach voice in the end by actually teaching voice. I mean, w- 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 what might be a response to one of our colleagues, you know, um, you know, who, who might de- be desiring to be a gatekeeper in that regard?
1: I would say, you know, they know more than you think they know, and they certainly know more than these beginning singers that have never had a lesson.
3: Not only that, you know, the people who might say that you would say, well, but don't you hire TAs to teach incoming freshmen, you know, (laughs) but, 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 you know, and I just, I would say, you know, I have uh, a number of our graduate students who teach in some of these studios and, and I check in with them, you know, they're in my pedagogy program Mm. and I say, bring me questions. Let's talk about your students. You know, so that I'm trying to give them some mentoring. And my uh, piano pedagogy colleague, uh, we actually have an arrangement with one of the studios um, where, you know, the the pedagogy students are basically, you know, hired in there and he's their supervisor. And that's, you know, it's kind of a cooperative between our degree program and that studio. So I think there are a lot of creative ways to give people some... um, support as and mentoring as young teachers and um you know at the University of Colorado we had a uh, a continuing education program and um you know graduate students some with TAs some without uh would teach and you know you get paid a, a small amount and then at the end of each semester we would have, you know, a big sing in, a big sing a thon and the students would come in and we would all sit there like grade their jury and you know, Barbara Dasher sat in on those, and she would, ah you know, nice. She would, you know, and and every once in a while you'd hear a diamond in the rough. She'd go, Are "You talking to that one about maybe majoring in music?" You know, so so um, she took that very seriously to to mentor those of us who were involved in that. And I think Patty probably continued that after Barbara passed away, and Patty took over the program. So yeah, there's great opportunities for mentoring. I don't think we're throwing them to the wolves by themselves completely.
0: Yeah. So you would say another piece of advice really would be to take advantage while you have sort of mentor teachers right in front of you as your professors, to take advantage maybe of both uh, letting them observe some of your teaching, but also observing their teaching might be.
1: (laughs) That's excellent advice. In fact, it's usually an assignment when I excuse me, do advanced teaching practicum I'm like, you know you need to sit on us as many lessons as people will let you go to. I'm serious yeah
3: and in, in our program, uh, the undergrads, because I have a two it's a two semester undergrad sequence and the fall semester, which is like your anatomy, physiology, acoustics, um, hygiene and development, um, they observe ten lessons and in oh, wow. Semester, This semester, it's six, and the first three, you know, are, you know, in a normal time, it would be, you know, coming into studios, and right now, they've been watching, you know, I gave them a whole list of things that are on the internet, but then the the second half is, since we've been in an online environment, they're watching each other's lessons and doing Uh observations of those, so, and then at the grad level, you know, yeah, I, I mean... I require them every semester they're in a pedagogy class they are doing some lesson observations.
0: Yeah, so I think that, that that's that's all great and and, and like we said it's the, we're not just throwing someone to the wolves by just inviting them to teach. It's not like uh you, you know now I mean at the same time both of you and I, I would count myself in this. We're also very dedicated to making sure we're mentoring and making sure we're providing opportunities, you know, for this kind of feedback and, and whatever. And maybe they're not that in every at every university under the sun. I, I can't speak to all of them. Um, one opportunity that I would say that you know they could take, even as a graduate student, would be to participate in the Nats mentoring program. Um, for which uh, I don't know if all of us have already done it, but um, we're, I think we're all a part of it, and uh, you could choose any of us to, to want, to wish to you'd be able to observe some of your teaching, observe some of our teaching, etc. Lorraine and I are both two of the Nats mentor teachers for the virtual symposium, that, or conference, this work, workshop. Sorry, we use the word workshop. Yes, There's too many do. words <laughs> for conference, yep. folks. Um, oh, but oh, so that's an um, Colloquium, oh my gosh That's a, sorry Okay, pause, pause the whole conversation (laughs) Pause the whole conversation I have one little pretentious point I'd like to make So one of my birthday gifts Which is coming up this week It has not happened yet Not that you're dropping hints But but my family desperately wanted to give me my gifts yesterday Mm. And one of my gifts Is a pair of socks With my dog's picture on them and we have a nickname for Tony. Tony's name is Tony Stark Perna, appropriately named because he's got a big white patch on his chest. And, um, but we have a nickname for him that we call him Shmoop. Well, as my wife, my wife wanted to put Shmoop on and the picture on the socks. And so she, she was battling with herself about how to spell Shmoop. I assumed that we would spell it the German appropriate way and go S C H M O O P.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: She spelled it S H M O O P. So now we have to realize that he's not quite he's not quite good with his German diction or spelling. Yeah. But uh anyway, sorry, that was my little sidebar. So what does that have to do with colloquium? <laughs> sorry it just seemed like a it (laughs) just seemed like a pretentious name for a voice conference colloquium the voice colloquium Colloquium. nat's colloquium summer 2021 seems seems a bit much um (laughs) sorry uh so let's say actually for a second just to deal with this let's say that the the this uh one of our listeners actually does get hired to be a graduate assistant so they're actually teaching maybe lessons yeah. in now higher ed and in a voice area with things like all kinds of policies and and what what are some things maybe those listeners might need to be aware of going into that
1: Well, first and foremost, you may be a student when you're not a grad assistant, but when you're a grad assistant, you need to be a teacher. So you need to think about yourself in a more professional way, present yourself in a more professional way, um, learn early that this is a very small world and that anything that you do to offend someone will follow you the rest of your life probably so learn to be a good colleague right off the bat indeed do not talk ugly about your colleagues that you disagree with how they're teaching you know all the things that we know are ethical behaviors they may not know yet so they need to get up to speed on that pretty quickly
3: i would completely agree and um I would say it's going to be really important for them to learn how to draw professional boundaries because they may have students that are, you know, four years younger than them, um, maybe less, and maybe, yeah, and and that uh, you you can't have that relax you can't have that that relaxed of a uh, relationship with these people who are your students because ultimately you know you are the one hired to teach them and they are uh, you are entrusted with their education and their meeting their degree requirements and so you know learning how to maintain certain boundaries uh, and I would also in addition everything that Lorraine said of course is is fabulous but um, I would say Piano lessons, piano lessons, <laughs> piano lessons. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because I can't tell you, you know, there are there are many schools, you know, uh, somebody comes and the best way to give them a bunch of money is to give them a TA. And, you know, it's like, wow, we love, you know, his or her voice, you know, uh, their voice, and we, we really want them to come here, and so we... You know, throw a bunch of money at them and give them this TA and so on, and then we discover that you know they can't play da 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 <laughs> accurately in in anything other than the white note keys. You know, so <laughs> so it's uh, so
1: bad. It's your wait, soul.
0: but 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 if it's the white note keys, then we get.
1: <laughs> That's what I just played. <laughs> so...
3: <laughs> My point exactly. It's like, yes, wait, oh, this is the Lydian Mode student. Yeah, right. So anyway, my my point, though, is, I mean, I build it into my undergrad and graduate classes. I mean, like, I've got a grad class right now, and the piano skills test that they have to do is I give them a whole bunch of vocalises. And um, in a non-pandemic situation, the exam for that is... They pair up with a classmate, and they have to sit and play the vocalises while someone's singing it.
0: Sarah, is... remember when you had to play yeah. piano in class?
2: Yes, when you were like, yep, you're going to play a ninth, <laughs> not an octave. We got to add the extra note on, just make it a little more difficult. And A f- few other little piano exercises, which has been great, because you go in to teach, and sometimes your brain just forgets what a piano looks like
1: is. Well, I'm so impressed that you all put make that part of your class. I just try to shame them into it by <laughs> having to teach in class, and then when they can't play, I'm like, hmm, "You really need to. If you can't at buttons. least play enough to do these vocalises, you don't. You you need to do
3: some work." Well, and not just that. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to be a, a young teacher, um, you're probably going to be playing some repertoire in lessons from time to time. Or every week. Every week. And um, being able to play the melody accurately, being able to play the melody and a bass note once per measure. um, You know, uh, and so I encourage them, look, as a grad student, you... Can get secondary lessons with one of our faculty mm. and you need to go take advantage of this, <laughs> and you need to take at least one semester you have a few uh you know uh, elective hours, make at least one of them piano because you may not thank me now, but you will thank me soon
0: yeah, that's such a good word because I remember like you know uh, un- first of all i 'd like to say just to give him credit where it's due, John's a wonderful pianist as well. Uh, Yours truly is not exactly a great pianist, Um, but uh, I remember starting to teach, and one of the things about you know sort of getting my sea legs, as I called it, was all of a sudden I was thrown into a world where I was having to play for students. (laughs) For the first five years of my teaching, the two years of high school and then the three years of being an adjunct and a graduate assistant, I was I was I was their accompanist until maybe a jury and maybe they had like a like you know like a new world. I was there I was you know the pianist and then there we had our music director play for their jury, but it was just the jury. You know I mean it would God it would have been horrible had I had to play for their jury, <laughs> um, but you know if sometimes uh, you know. Look, here's a full confession with this part of the thing. If I have to fake Debussy, it's still pretty rough because it's not exactly traditional harmonies or something like that. I can I can play you some Bellini just fine because it's pretty darn simple. And I because in my first 3 years I was teaching only musical theater students, I can fake some JRB real good. Um uh but anyway, but no, I think I think this advice of of really getting your piano chops to a decent point is, is very valid, particularly depending on the kind of music that you're going to teach. You know, um, uh, one of the one of the guests that we're going to have on for the independent studio, she is now teaching nothing but adult avocational rock and pop singers, oh. and she's almost never touches the piano anymore. But that's not going to be everybody's experience. You know, people are going to want to, it's like I give them the talk in ped. You may not teach Karo Mio Ben that much in your life, but I promise you, you're going to teach into the unknown and let it go. And, and those are pretty easy to learn at a basic piano level. Repertoire like that, you should be able to do that.
2: Well, or even like, with pop and rock, like being able to read a basic lead sheet. Oh, Like that's yeah, something of course. I've never been super comfortable with because like, like, you're saying take piano. That's something I think I've been the most grateful for through undergrad, grad degrees, was that I started taking piano as a little kid, took all through high school, and so, like, had okay piano skills. But I never really learned how to play from a lead sheet. But now that I'm, like, teaching little middle schoolers who all want to sing, like, pop songs or whatever. And, and I'm like burn, there, apparently no we don't do that a lot but <laughs> I'm sitting there with my little like chord chart and I'm like all right here we go <laughs> it's happening and sometimes you do have to accompany them at a recital because it is a little private studio so yeah I, I mean even if you're not playing the piano a lot with pop and rock you might you might find yourself with it some
0: absolutely yeah,
3: yeah. absolutely so and I think you know it's not just piano skills um uh, it's also sight reading, mm. you know, because the, the kid walks in there and they've got, you know, oh, I just bought this book. And, you know, and it's like 50 greatest hits. And they're going, oh, hey, let's go through this. I want to pick some songs. And you're going, I've never seen this piece before. Okay. All right. And I'm, okay, you know, um, so here's my practical advice. If I may really get to, please, bottom, please, um, you know buy the music theater anthologies that you can get that you know rick walters and company have put together and just get to know those pieces really well and the 24 italian you know songs and arias my goodness get to know those well yep and if you want to work on sight reading this is this is i mean i started piano at four and i got hired into a church job was i was an undergrad and i mean i could sight read okay but you know, I was at this church where they would like be calling out hymns. You know, yeah. and I and I realized, okay, well, I have the <laughs> choice of either sitting and learning this whole book or learning how to sight read. And so every day I would put a hymn up and I would like, okay, I'm going to read this hymn. And I'd put my metronome on, and I would just do that thing, you know. And then next day, flip a page. Oh, here's a new hymn. Um, learning how to keep something going um, yeah. when you're sight reading. If it's just a melody, fine, but something going and you're not, so that the student is not sitting there going, oh geez, come on, would you just play my note? <laughs> so, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Not <laughs> only
0: that though, but, but you know, another <coughs> another facet of uh, an advantage to working on you know this skill as a voice teacher is as a singer it really makes you appreciate what your collaborative artist is doing for you and maybe encourages you to get them the music ahead of you know in your lesson
1: (laughs) i really got a singer one time that was notorious for that in studio class because this guy he would always give the pianist the music like on the way in the door or you know right as studio class started so one studio class i had worked it out with the pianist that they were going to pick a piece that he was going to read for the
2: class. I like it.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was a a hard French piece that he had never sung. And I said, "Um, the pianist really wants to try this with a singer. So today for studio, we're going to let you sing it. Okay. And I mean, the look on that person's face was priceless. And I was like, that's what you're asking her to do every time you come in here.
0: But also a great lesson for them becoming teachers, even as the teacher, not just throwing a piece of music at a collaborative pianist.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: because when you do get the blessing of then also being able to work with a collaborative pianist with your singer, it's not the best to just force them to sight-read apparition (laughs) because your your coloratura is working on that. You, You know... (laughs) <laughs> Maybe not best practices yeah. in voice teaching. I mean, exactly. you know, um, some other things that I had thought of just, you know, as, uh, particularly for a new GA. I, well, let me just say this. I, um, what we, we, we sort of hit ethics and then circled around to this piano thing. I want to circle back to ethics really quick. Um, one, I would encourage you, if you're entering the academy in general, to read the Nats ethics policy. It's a very good ethics guidelines. Two, I would highly encourage you to familiarize yourself with the basics of FERPA, um, which um, is the Family Education Rights and Protections Act. Ooh, look, look how quickly that it. random. Mm-hmm. Um, so some
2: <laughs> like Deuce-
0: <laughs> Oh gosh! Okay, I'm never gonna live that down. Um, but um, I would also. Actually read your voice area department handbook.
3: Amen. Like, actually read it. Yeah. I have like colleagues I would like to actually read. Right. right. I wasn't going to say it. No, 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 no. No, you're probably listening. No, no, I'm
2: not. <laughs> I don't not you. Mean, not you.
0: No. Um, but, no, but we all know, uh, like, you know, this is a thing. This is a thing that, like, we have these things, and sometimes they don't get read. Like, it's sort of like the old adage, like the old Morpheus meme, the answer's in the syllabus. Like, like, you know, just if you are teaching in an area or a department, please actually familiarize yourself both with maybe the overall music school or department's policies, um, but also the policies regarding, you know, applied lessons. Um, and I don't just mean just three songs, two in a foreign language. I actually mean like
2: you want to what see are the, the terms and conditions? I,
0: I, is, this is an Ian Howell reference but yes you have to read the manual. Yeah. You actually have to read the manual.
2: Asking a lot.
0: <laughs> I, it is asking I a lot. You can only
2: count to 4. That's, except, you know, that's how many if it, in a measure.
0: <laughs> except if it were not for Ian reading the manual, we would not be nearly as far in this internet teaching business as as we are. So uh right. there you go Ian. Um but anyway, um In addition to that, on sort of the um, ethics thing, I'll just end with a funny, end this moment with a funny quip. At our graduate assistant training at the University of Miami, the former graduate dean, who I will not name, no longer in this position, so this was many years ago, blah, 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 ended our graduate assistant training training. Or maybe started. It was either at the very beginning or the very end. I actually think it might have been at the very beginning. Ended it with, listen, I have one rule. Don't sleep with your students. (laughs) Boy. It started there, and then I think we did the rest of the policies. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) and we all kind of, like, looked at each other, and okay, well, uh all right, this is an interesting start to doctoral <laughs> studies, but I mean I guess this is i guess this is valuable no it was it's 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 i mean it's tragic i mean but but you know obviously there is a unfortunate history of poor intimate practice in applied music lessons, not voice, not just voice. I'm not saying this is a voice specific thing because many pianists have married their students let's just say it out loud and there is there is a lot of history of inappropriate behavior which is why ethics matter um and why why this is a thing that they they boundaries as we said earlier in 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 the episode is it is an important it is an important point um i will say just go ahead john do you want to say
3: something well i was just going to say you know i I appreciate him just coming right out and and stating that up front, but um blunt as that was um I think you know part of what they have us do you know with the you know we have to do all this compliance training every year right. and and the bottom line about the ethics thing that they always say is, would you want to reopen the newspaper tomorrow morning and read this on the front page? you know use that as a guideline of how you handle things.
0: Yeah, and that's even even a more, you know, another point also to consider is even how you interact with students on social media. Um which is, you know, we were talking, Lorraine you sort of said like, you know, be professional right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because you're you are teaching. Um and and we need to uh you know educate I think we as professors also need to educate our graduate assistants about how to do that. Um, it, it, you know, it's not like, again, we're just trying to throw anybody the wolves and like always be walking on eggshells, like, oh my gosh, if I, you know, do this or that, or I'm going to end up on the front page. No, 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 no. You know, you can still be a human being. It's not like we're asking you to be cold to your voice students, Right. you know, this, you know, um, but, but professionalism and ethics and, 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 you know, doing the compliance training, which you probably have to do, that's probably true um and, and all these kind of things and don't just skim through the videos yes some of those videos are probably ridiculous and have c-list actors that you know thank goodness
3: they had work but
0: <laughs> okay, oh, well. right.
3: compliance said. training modules is like the wpa of the twenty twenty re- four century <laughs> it really is some of them are some of them are almost worse
0: than the IRB videos <laughs> and and John can testify how bad the city training videos are now they are just city training folks is the collaborative institutional training initiative the where you have to do your ethics training for IRB and some of those videos have gotten to the point where they they're are okay. just oh they're bad they're bad I you did to, them you remember say, i had
2: to sit through them they seemed like I don't know. I, the funny thing is, I was sitting there, I was like, I can't tell if these were made 20 years ago or if like someone's just really out of touch that updated these recently. Because like, <laughs> there would be just enough stuff that you were like, this feels more recent. And
0: No, yes. they're newer videos, for sure.
2: Yeah. They're, they're, they're not great. So, afternoon.
0: you know, I think a lot of the stuff that we've hit on already could also apply to any of our colleagues who are either already in a new academic position or are trying to get a new academic position or who might be entering into a new academic position whether that be at a huge conservatory a small music department at a rural you know you know liberal arts college or 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 what anything in between large state school um like my two colleagues here are, are both at. um what are some things we might you know i don't know recommend to those folks as they enter the academy as now i'm on a tenure track or i'm in a full-time position or something like that what are some bits of wisdom we might share with them
1: find a mentor or more than one mentor on the faculty whether or not they're in your area actually preferably some in and out of your area um that can, that can advise you on so many things like making your CV look right so that you get, you know, great evaluations from administrators each year and things like that. Because you don't know the ropes when you get there, but somebody does that's been there for a while and is willing to help you if you ask, if you're not assigned one, you know, some schools assign mentors to, to new and in, incoming faculty. But I mean, even if you are assigned one, find one that you can talk to, that'd be my, First step, I think.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, someone that um, you can say, hey, hey, could you take a look at my syllabi? Or, you know, um, and I mean, we do peer mentoring. Uh, We do I mean, uh, we have a a mentoring program, but we also every year, we have uh, peer observations in our department. And um, and then outside of that, it's like, hey, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to come in and, you know, Watch you teach a lesson or 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 a, or a video of a lesson you know if that would kind of make the dynamic a little more normal um, or you know sit in on a class um, and and to someone to talk to about uh, you know negotiating um, some of the maybe more difficult personalities in a department or those kinds of things. <laughs> Um, or you know, just the the ropes of uh, who to who to ask on campus about issues. you know, okay, you know, um, this is this is the specific chain of command for doing this, and if you get in a really tight bind, um, this is the person in that area that you can count on who you know, is really reliable about getting you the right information or, you know, and, and, and oftentimes it's the busy people, you know, it's, if you want to get something done, you ask the busy person because they're busy for a reason. It's because they're efficient. They're, they're good at what they do. So absolutely getting that mentor, um, in your department and maybe someone in your area and someone who's not in your area who, um, who might not know all that cool, groovy voice stuff that, um, is like somebody when you um, you go up for tenure who may not you know who's on the the college level committee and you have to explain you know well why is a why is this whole business of formants and resonances that you're talking about in in you know some of your uh, your documents here and so on why 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 is that important um being able to explain all that stuff that you know oh well your voice colleagues might know um, so that someone at the college level goes, "Oh, okay, wow, that's really cool. I had I didn't know that about voice." Um, anyway,
0: I I think that you know I gosh I that, that just brought up so many thoughts. Um, that was that was both both of you that was absolutely excellent because I do think that the greatest advice that I ever got was that I needed mentorship. Um, I paid the I think I paid the price a little bit in that. When I got to my first academic job, we did not have a formal mentoring program. Um, it actually was formalized during my tenure cycle um, there. It was created and formalized, I don't know, in my fifth year maybe or something like that. Uh, it was totally unhelpful to me. Totally, uh, yeah. Um, but... Uh, You know, I I, so I I I totally do think that having an internal formalized process is great, Um, uh, and I also totally agree with the advice about maybe having somebody within voice, because normally there's not just although we could have a case where someone could might be the only voice person, the only one, yeah, it's entirely possible. (laughs) Um, But the idea of having someone you know within. Vo- you know within at least within music, music or within voice, and then maybe somebody out of the department um again who's already tenured yeah. uh, you know not that you don't get some great information from other maybe assistant professors who are perhaps you know five years ahead of you. Right, That can also be valuable to build those bridges and, and, and you know, have colleagues in that regard. Um, but it's a, that's a different kind of any maybe, you know, mentorship than actually, you know, having someone who's well into being an associate professor or even sometimes who just went through the tenure process. Maybe they can't give you the ins and outs of all the personalities that a full professor could because right. they've been there for 20 years and, and they can really give you sort of the lay of the land. Um, But I I, I do think that having some various mentors within the institution is definitely something I would – that I have recommended. In fact, um, I did some mentoring for someone who had gotten a new academic position at a school kind of like mine, and they were just sort of seeking out some, like, advice of, like, how do you navigate this issue? And I'm like, well, here's how I do it. I'm not sure that that's exactly what I would recommend, but um, (laughs) – For you, but, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So that leads me to my second thought, which is also, and John's done some mentoring for me earlier on in my career, is getting some mentors within our discipline outside of your university.
1: Definitely.
0: And I think this is the most important thing you can basically do in your career. And and it doesn't, They look, it doesn't, you know, you're going to end up, you need to end up networking no matter what. Can yep. we all just agree to that? Let's just say, mm-hmm.
1: do that. Just do that. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm.
0: that's very, I mean, like, you know, like for example, when I moved to the southern region of Nats, I made <laughs> sure that Lorraine and I became friends very quickly. I did that, no offense. I love you, Lorraine, very much. But I also did it very strategically because I already knew who she was and I desired for us to have a professional relationship. So I did that very strategically, not not out of like a weird, selfish ambition kind of thing, just as I knew this was a person within sort of my sub-discipline of pedagogy that I needed to know and and be a colleague with. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so anyway, also seek out those people. Maybe someone within your NATS region or or, or who might be at a similar institution of you so that, you know, sometimes you're not, but, you know, it can, that can be helpful. I think we could all agree that that could be, be Mm -hmm. helpful. Um, uh, Sometimes maybe someone at a kind of aspirational institution, maybe you wish to move up to a different kind of institution. So you wish to be, you know, have a, a mentor relationship with that uh, and folks don't think that like you attain some kind of weird level where you've arrived with this um, never you'd never I, I,
1: arrive
0: <laughs> I, I like I, I'm tenured I'm an associate professor I just started seeking out new mentors in my life in the last six months because I'm trying to take some things in a different little bit of a different twist but like so don't you know Let's let's be honest. There's no arrival point here, folks.
3: Well, and then you get further along, and you realize there are younger people coming up who know things that I don't know. Maybe it's about technology. Maybe it's, I mean, I freely admit, you know, josh glasner guys like that it's like okay you know cool stuff that i didn't get when i was in school i want to know some of this stuff let's do something together you know
0: man our chat thread if i could show it to you oh my gosh like i i, I sometimes like perna's tenor brain sort of eyes roll in his head a little <laughs> bit i'll be honest but uh, whoo boy, I, you know Josh and Kayla Godero and and mm-hmm. Ian they get going and it's like ah,
1: I'm lost. Um, I just turn completely off when they get going out. I have to admit, I am of the age that it's like okay, I did my doctoral paper on a Word Brother word processor, a Brother <laughs> word processor. So I didn't even learn a computer till my first college gig. That's how new stuff is feels to me. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's
0: so like, and, and bo- so John's point probably that it can work both ways, though, because also, Lorraine, you have great wisdom that you can provide about tenure processes and about working with colleagues. And, you know, I think I think there's a great beauty to realizing just that we can all learn f- some things from each other. You know, and and it's it's one of the reasons that I hope that um, in, in, in successful healthy organizations, I think when we when we talk about like things like you know, executive teams and, and boards and whatever, it can be very helpful having different generations of folks at the table talking about You know where we're headed because millennials are going to provide us a different perspective than a baby boomer would. And they both might, you know, the baby boomer might have some wisdom about, oh, hey, listen, 20 years ago, we tried that. Here's why we went away from it. Yeah. Uh, and we can have a conversation, but a millennial also might go, "Hey, you guys, are, you guys look really old saying that. Like, we should not like. We should not put that. That's a bad campaign. Like, we should not put that out. Like, that's that. That you guys are going to get like killed on social media. We, we can't call this a colloquium.
2: <laughs> no, that's cool.
0: <laughs> no, I th- I think you've just made colloquium cool.
2: I was going to say, so, I'm all about colloquium speaking as now. the like borderline millennial Gen Z person here. Um. No, that's neat. Well, I'm not cool, though, so maybe I shouldn't
0: speak. Sarah, you're pretty cool.
2: It's cool. Uh, You're
0: you're, you're pretty cool. You know, on this also issue about going a different direction, I mean, sort of in a mentoring direction, but a different direction. I think it was when Don was president, but Don Simonson wrote a great article in Journalist Singing, and I think it was just one of his president's columns, about being willing to walk down the, the hall knock on your colleague's door and say, give me a voice lesson. Y'all remember that column? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my students a few weeks ago was just alarmed that I still take voice lessons. <laughs> I was like, do you think that like I've arrived or something?
2: Just, no. You've just learned everything there is to know. There's nothing else. That's it.
0: I do think, unfortunately, there's a history of walls being put up in in oh. in certain places, and as Don, and Don's article sort of addressed that. I mean, this is what what is this five six years ago that he wrote this piece. Um, but but I think there can be great value in colleagues walking down the hall and being like, obviously maybe not in COVID times and we're wearing masks. (laughs)
3: Not
0: now. When we're all vaccinated and actually singing in spaces unmasked and maybe with our HEPA filters running. I mean, I intend to keep (laughs) mine running, but, but just saying, Hey, can you give me 30 minutes? Just, just vocalize me. Like I'm, I'm out of shape. And like, I, you know, I, whatever it can, it can make such for such great conversations. Um, that can be had and eliminate it can eliminate the potential for animosity well, um, and it's
3: making yourself vulnerable around each other and of course the great thing about his article is he he you know he did it you know trying to reach out to his established colleague and the next week she shows up at his office and says <laughs> okay well um are you my gonna turn. return the favor my turn yeah <laughs> and and they had this wonderful relationship that blossomed out of that making yourself available and vulnerable for each other just to to do this thing that our ego kind of rides on with the people we work with
0: yeah yeah and it, it, i mean it, he described a beautiful situation i mean really i thought
3: well
1: and it could also because i know you know there's that honeymo honeymoon period when you're the new voice faculty on the on the staff and then suddenly everybody wants to be in your studio and you've got to figure out how to not walk into oh, that land here
0: we're <laughs> getting into a different different area altogether. Thank you Lorraine for taking us here. Go <laughs> oh, ahead.
1: Oh, I mean seriously, that can lead to more hard feelings and animosity than anything quicker than anything, especially if you Open your door and let that person in and listen to their complaining about that teacher. So you need to be thinking before that happens. If there's not a policy, you need to have your own policy about what's an okay thing to do.
0: Yeah, and and there's one reason to read your department's handbook. <laughs>
1: exactly. Is
2: that something most places? I obviously don't teach at a college. Is that something most places have a policy about already?
1: We, we have we one in our. We yeah. do. That's yeah, nice. We do.
2: That that's good cause so I. So we're see three being, for three
0: out of this group.
2: Oh, that's I could see that being like that's not even something I would have thought about, and that that would have been that would be very alarming to me, and I would be like, oh dear, I don't know what to do.
0: Um, <laughs> I have nice. had to I have had to navigate that situation. I navigated it once, very innocently, when I was an adjunct, and, um, the teachers. The student's teacher had left the institution. They were teacherless. They asked if they could study with me. I was like, yeah. Sure. Sure. Then I got a raging phone call from the dean because we had a policy that we couldn't just accept students into our studios. Ah. And I didn't know that. Um, I've had to also navigate it with students who did actually change studios that is a more difficult dynamic i always had a policy that my first rule is as soon as i find out about it i always talk to my colleague first and the my colleague and i have a conversation about it um just so that we all are not withholding information from each other um uh and 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 then i allow them to have a conversation with their student and 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 go from there um but uh, cuz i would always encourage them to to remain um if 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 they could um but but i have had the situation where navigated that treacherous territory uh in a in a studio change and
3: it's boy, tricky it, and, and I mean, I'm in the situation. Um, Lorraine, you're the chair of the voice area too, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. And And yeah. so am I. And and though we have a student handbook that you know, a voice area handbook that the students are supposed to read, most of them don't. And yeah. and mm-hmm. so you know, if they have you know this, I'm thinking I, they. They come to me, you know, and I say, yeah. well, have you talked with your current teacher yet? They go, well, no, I'm <laughs> <ready to do." laughs> well um, and I show them the, the handbook and I say, this is our policy of how you handle this. And that no teacher is going to talk to you until you have the conversation. You part of being an adult is learning how to have disagreements in a disagreeable manner and to be able to talk professionally about things, and maybe your teacher is unaware of your, you know, and, and that you guys could actually work something out very, um, very easily, but you need to have the conversation. Yep. So we, we, you know, if they come to me and say, well, I want to change it to Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so, it's like, no. You need to go back and you need to talk with your teacher, who you have right now, who, who is a very fine colleague of mine and, you know, have some conversations with them first. You know, this and is, then this, we have a whole procedure,
1: you know. Right,
0: this, this is, we do too. This is, so do we. This is also presuming there's been no sort of abuse or, you know, oh, it's th- that it's coming yeah. from a different reason. Um, this is just, I don't like my C major arpeggios or something. <laughs> um, and, and they always make me do this dumb raspberry sound. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> but but yeah um so no that that that's all that's all really great uh i'm glad i'm very glad you brought this up lorraine thank you because this was something i i wanted to get to and had kind of forgotten about <laughs> um i've also had the situation where i've had to navigate very carefully as well with recent graduates who then desire to come and work with me this has happened to me throughout my career. And I'm always like, that's cool. You're not a student here anymore. I still need you to have a conversation with so-and-so before we do this. Yep. And once I hear from them and have confirmed with them that you've had that said conversation, then unless the colleague, like, left the school or something, like, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, I I always like to confirm that 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 conversation has been had Uh, because one of the things that we all know as faculty is faculty dynamics can be... Look, folks, when you work (laughs) somewhere, not everyone needs to be your best friend. Not everyone is going to be your best friend. That's the nature of anywhere you work. You will have colleagues that you are more friendly with and ones who you're just more collegial with. That's fine you know i actually one of my favorite colleagues i worked with was a former colleague who we sort of started with a rough relationship kind of had a rocky few years and ended up becoming great friends like like really great colleagues and we still check in on each other and and you know i'm I'm, I'm not at that institution anymore but and they've retired but like you know it it, it, it can actually Things can be resolved, too, if you have some healthy conversations. Um, so I think that's a, you know, it's kind of a good landing point is just seek out mentorship. Be willing to have healthy adult conversations as you would in any workplace. Mm-hmm. And the healthier of those kind of conversations you can have, the more likely healthy of an area you're going to have or department or whatever you call where you work
3: can i add one thing to that please and 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 that is when the student uh a student comes in and they start unloading about this professor or that professor you know who is your colleague maybe you know in the theory area or the choral yeah. area or the whatever and you know my stock thing that i always say is well i'm really sorry to hear that and then i'll say however you know so and so is my colleague. And, um, you know, you you need to be respectful of how you, because you may aspire to be in a job like I am in and like they are in, and you need to learn a way to work constructively. And, you know, I mean, I remember a, a student of mine who uh, really fine tenor, and he, um, I, I came into my office, During choir, and he was in a practice room, and I said, aren't you supposed to be in choir? And he goes, and he started mouthing off about, you know, the choir director. And I said, (sighs) I said, hang on. And I said, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry, you know, that's the situation. I said, but you don't, you're not doing me any favors to go to bat for you by not going to choir. You yeah. know, I can't advocate for you when you're not you're not in the room, and so you need to go down and go to go to rehearsal. You know, oh. and I said I, I'm willing to to talk to him/her about this, but but you've got to play you got to play fair, and so go to rehearsal now.
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, and rehearsal. for and for anybody. Just one other piece of advice, just because it just came to mind about, you know, like, if you're a graduate assistant, make sure you show up.
2: I didn't know that needed to be said.
0: On the professorial side, if you are a very active singer, when you interview for a job, you need to be very communicative about that department's expectations of how often they will, both of tenure, but also of how often they will expect you to be on campus. Both sides of that coin. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as a personal thing that I've observed over many, many years of being involved in this, when you are offered a job, have a really clear expectations laid out for what you're going to have to do, what they're going to provide for you or not, All sorts of stuff like that. um, Because that can get really lost in the shuffle. Sometimes, you know, you'll think, well, they want me out singing. They want me to get tenure. And that's true in a lot of cases. But they also might not be okay with you being gone from eight weeks of a semester. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will be but it would be good to have clear expectations with your dean and chair ahead of time. Absolutely.
3: Right. And now that we've had a year of working remotely, um, the ability to stay in touch and keep some of those lessons going when you're off for three weeks doing Tosca or whatever, um, four weeks doing, you know, whatever, that you can have a good decent internet connection and you can stay in touch with those students and it and it isn't just poof okay well he or she or you know they will be back in 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 a month and i'm on my own for or, or i'm going to work with so and so for this month while they're gone nick you're absolutely right make sure that all of that stuff is clear and now that we have some technological means that by and large, people have, you know, at the very least, I mean, know your way around Zoom, um, <laughs> you know, or Live Live, just at the very least, so at that least. Um, if, if you are traveling or your student is traveling, that you guys can stay in touch. We've yeah. shown this can work pretty well.
0: Yeah. yeah, and in that regard, also negotiate some basic Technology into your startup package if you are so blessed with a startup package, different jobs will have different kind of things for that um, but uh, oh gosh, what was I going to say about that because then I got caught up in the technology. I had one last <laughs> little thing to say about that, and I forgot what it was well i 'm sure it doesn't matter. <laughs> It was probably the wisest thing I was going to say all day, but, uh, it's, it's, it's it's all good. It's it's good. No, it's gone. It's, 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 there's still too many COVID based distractions in my, in my, in my well-being. Anyway, John, Lorraine, thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, can find out more about them on their back episodes of vocal fry john nix is also available through his utsa address i guess yes Mm -hmm. yeah first Um, name
3: last name at utsa yep
0: and lorraine same for lsu
1: lsims at lsu.edu
0: so there you go um both of their their work um contacts um and you know like i said if you'd like some actual mentoring for many of us nat's mentoring program specifically if you're coming to the virtual summer workshop which has now been announced um, lorraine and i are both mentor teachers at that for the summer, and excited about those opportunities. Um, <laughs> colloquium, excuse me, <laughs> Nat's summer. Nat's you hear that, colloquium. Alan Henderson? You need to now change that to it. Nat's summer colloquium. Just I don't it. know that that's gonna work for marketing. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Hashtag that colloquium. that the marketing folks. I'm gonna say that if Michelle heard that, Michelle would go. We are not calling it a colloquium.
2: Picture the t-shirts. The mugs. I, it wrapped I, the whole way
3: around. Colloquium. Colloquium sounds like some obscure body part, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I can't.
2: Be. I broke my colloquium. Yeah. I broke.
1: I broke my colloquium. To- you ruptured your. Colloquium. Yeah, I ruptured my
0: colloquium. <laughs> Is that do we need to now cover that in voice disorders in in, in, in the voice disorders section of the course? Like, oh, that's in there. Co- we. We'll yeah, need to, uh, for voice pedagogy summit three. <laughs> we, pedagogy
2: for voice ped summit three,
0: three? We'll, yeah, may, well, that's maybe we need rename to rename that. that too. Voice pedagogy colloquium three. We'll have to make sure that we get that worked into voice disorders. Oh my yeah. gosh! Okay, we, now we've gone completely <laughs> off the rails. We've vocal fam, vocal fam. Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast?
2: I had scones this morning. Oh scones? Oh, very I got, fancy. I like, felt I felt so fancy, and S- I, I had and like blueberry cream. jam. Every once in a while, I have to be. I have to be a little pretentious. Have my little colloquium moment. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just going to keep bringing that back.
0: And, you yeah. you spell schmoop with S-C-H-M-O-O-P. Obviously.
2: I'm the person who apparently has been pronouncing what is a kind bar, Kint. So, yeah. Kint oh, oh, bar. Yeah. We've been
0: over this vocal family. We went we've over been, that been, lot
2: Like, yeah. We've been over this. I pronounced the town in Mississippi Gluckstadt. I, I called it Gluckstadt. Because I was like, yeah, that's how it's spelled, right?
0: I no. mean that's also a direct People. German word. I it mean is. Well so is Kint. I mean so oh, is Kint like in your right defense. There. I mean
2: Ironically the nickname for that town is literally German town. So
1: but if you go to England you're gonna have to say scon, not scone. I know. Well <laughs> they you know, American coming the, out.
3: The the test we always have in Georgia of whether is someone a native Georgian or not is to pronounce California a i r o which is a town in southwestern georgia Cairo, Cairo, caro i was gonna say it
2: wrong i yeah. still can't pronounce i don't know if it's Cobb or Decab. like Decab. Decab, okay i should know this right like i also one of my many things is i work in admissions and there are people all the time and they ask like oh well what school system in there and i'm like cab, Decab, Cobb, that place you know, not here. Well, and
3: then there's Ponce de Leon, you know? Not yes. On de Leon.
2: I am always like, I'm not from here. I don't know. I'll spell we, it for
0: you. They have a lot of those in Mississippi and Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh. but I
2: grew up around there, so a lot of those I do know.
0: You mean like Kosciuszko?
2: Kosciuszko, yeah.
0: Which looks nothing like that. Or
2: there's a place called Sugar Lot, but it's spelled, which you would think is Sugar Lot, but it's spelled S-H-U-Q-U-A-L-A-K. Right? Exactly. There's a Q in there.
0: <laughs> exactly. So. this is okay. Those I know. Anyway, Vocal Fam, um, we will be uh, back with you. Let's see. I'm actually going to put this up on Friday of this week since we're recording Ooh. on Sunday. I'm not going to release it until Friday. Like um, so it. it'll go up next weekend. Um, and then, Vocal Fam, so you'll get to hear this on the 26th. And then the next weekend will will be back at you either i 'm not sure which episode's going to come up next actually if it's if it 's Ian and Yvonne or if it 's but the next the next it'll be three consecutive weeks of this series um, so so it 's great you 're going to get part two, three, and four all in three consecutive weeks. Uh, this has been great today, John yes. Lorraine. Thank you so so very much. And I promise at some point, probably after these next three weeks, Sarah and I will do a Bucky Falcon show review. Yes. And who knows, maybe we'll even actually cover the Snyder Cut that week because Sarah and I have now both watched the Snyder Cut. Vocal Ooh. fam, I'm I'm so mad. Because I have been (laughs) so anti-DCEU for so many years because they've let me down so many times and broken my heart so many times. But man, when Superman comes into that Snyder Cut, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Was was that compelling, committed filmmaking. And I'm mad at myself because it was so good.
2: I was glad because I grew up not with Marvel. I grew up watching like... Justice League, like the animated series. And so I was way more familiar with all the DC characters. So... Every time a DC movie would come out, I'd always be like, okay, this is going to be good. It. It's going to be good. finally going to be it's good. It's going to be good. No. It's every time. Every, every
0: time. time they le- so. Well, except for Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah.
2: Wonder the, everybody's w- got
0: their one. Everybody's got their one. That was
2: my one where I was like, oh, thank heavens. And I, like, I would try to argue for them, like that Green Lantern movie. Y'all remember that? And then, unfortunately, and then,
0: unfortunately Wonder Woman 1984 was also terrible.
2: It was terrible.
0: But this Snyder Cut... All four better. hours, I couldn't take my eyes off of it.
2: It was better, much better. I had to
0: split it up over two nights. Oh, we did too. But it was mind-blowing. So we'll probably
2: end up talking about that.
0: Yeah, at some point. Like anyway, just... although maybe that was enough. Maybe, <laughs> we could have maybe a colloquium. That was it. We could we have... have a colloquium. Yes,
2: we'll have a colloquium.
0: Snyder How Cut Colloquium. How many people
2: does it take to make a colloquium? Is that like when you talk about groups of animals? Three.
3: Three, at least three to have a colloquium least a colloquium
0: of voice teachers yeah. right it's like yeah. a murder of crows yeah, a clo- yeah. okay alright there you go vocal fam that's it on that note colloquium of voice teachers we're out bye peace bye,
1: bye. bye.